if you uh, came in the last five minutes or so, let me catch you up on what's happened. As you can tell, uh, we are uh, unplugged today, um, is the version that we're choosing to call it, because um, something with digital, some I don't know, people start telling me things, technical, and I just, I just hear yes and no is all I hear. And what I heard was that we have no sound and no online service, but the reason I have a mic is because we are able to record it, at least for the podcast. And I think, actually, this may be online now, too. Maybe just this, I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. In any event, um, what I would love for you to do is to kind of keep coming down, move forward a little bit. I know you backseat people like are cringing, but yeah, come on down to where I don't have to project my voice as much, please, because I would actually like to get through my sermon. Um, and as you're doing that, like, let's leave the last, like, three or four rows empty and come on down and fill in and if there's space. And what we can do is, um, if there's not much space, but there's space in the middle, kind of squeeze in or find space. All right. All right. My name is Fred, and it has been a day already. Uh, which is great fun. Um, it is great fun. And one of the things I said before we got started is it's, it's real easy when everything goes wrong uh, to think that nothing's right, right? It's real easy when, when the plans you have made uh, just don't work, right? Has anybody experienced that? Like you've done the work, you've taken the steps, the plans you've made, and they just don't work, right? That's okay. You can raise your hand. Here's the advantage. Like, Nobody's seeing us today. You can, you, can, you can raise your hand. You can do whatever you want, right? Um, but here's what I'm reminded of today is that even when things don't go as planned, it's still part of God's plan. And so it's still good. And so we can rest and trust that even though this is very different than what we had planned, that God is still good. And God is working his plan through our like, our like, not working plans. Does that make sense? And so that's, that's what's happening today. Um, <clears throat> let me go ahead and give you some announcements real quick. If you are new here uh, at Fellowship, first of all, welcome. Um, uh, welcome to a church that can just kind of go with it. Uh, and we are glad that you are here, right? Um, and, and if you're new here, uh, we would love to know a little bit about who you are. And there's a couple of ways to do that. Uh, you can, uh, there's a QR code in front of you that you can scan. Uh, with your phone, it'll take you to our website. You can fill out a connect card there. And so that connect card is a way to let us know who you are. It also puts you on our weekly newsletter. And so it's a way to connect with us through the, through the week to find out more about who we are. But what's also good about that Connect card is that um, it has a place for prayer requests. And if you have anything that you would like us to be praying for with you and for you, we would love to do that. And so that, that Connect card isn't just for first-time visitors. If anybody here has something that you would like us to be praying for, we would be glad to do that. And then, and then the final announcement is for growth groups. Um, uh, here at Fellowship, we, we think rows, what we're doing here, are very important. But we also know life change happens better in circles than it does in rows. Right When you're sitting in a circle with other people, studying God's word, praying together, and living out Christ's values together and Christ's teachings together, it produces life change in a very real and tangible way. And so 
to sign up for a group, we would love you to all be in one. You can go to our website, fellowshipashville.com slash groups, and all the information that you will have is there. Our growth groups are going through Colossians uh, with us as we, as we preach through Colossians, as Matt and I preach through Colossians. Um, and so we have those. There's plenty of open spaces in those groups. We also have a couple of focus groups, Mentoring Moms, David's Men, uh, if you'd be interested in, in those. And then, too, I also want to highlight something. If you look at all of our groups and nothing is available for you, then there's a group called Waiting List. Join that waiting list. I'll shoot you a few questions and then we can put a group together or maybe I can, I can figure out a way to get you in a group that does uh, fit what you're looking for, okay? All right, so here's what I have been praying for us today. Um, and maybe I've been praying it for me, who knows, right? Because here's what I've been praying for this week as I've been preparing this message is that we all leave here today with a more certain faith and trust in Jesus than we had coming in. That's what I've been praying for, is that, is that the ground that we walk on with our faith is more solid ground after going through the scriptures that we're going to go through today than it was before. And so with that, you can open your Bibles to Colossians 1. We're going to be in verses uh, 3 through 14. Um, and as you're turning there, let me ask you a question. Um, anybody... Well, is anybody in the stage of life where you're teaching a baby how to walk? Yeah? Anybody remember teaching your babies how to walk? Yeah, yeah. It is, it is a test of patience, like accentuated by lots of joy, right? Those first few steps are memorable, at least for the parents, not necessarily for the child, but they're memorable. And because and, and, here's, ha here's what happens. Like just to take us all back or to take us uh, maybe forward in your own life as you hope to have a child and you've been around other babies as they've been learning how to walk, what, what happens is the, you see this, this baby, you see her kind of start to stand up on things, uh, stand up with things, right? Like, like they pull on the table and stand up because they're developing this leg strength and, and you kind of watch and, and, and then when it's time to take steps, like parents always take the same move. Y'all, this is so good because I was wondering how I was going to do this on stage and I don't have to worry about it. Um, parents always take the same moves, right? They, they always like, like grab the baby's hands and, and, and put them right between your feet, right? And so you take steps as they take steps, right? And you're kind of helping them develop those, those leg muscles and you're holding their hands and they're holding your hands. And then eventually, what do you do? Eventually you let go, right? And then you see this baby take a step and then what happens? They fall, right? They fall. They fall right on their little, little diaper-clad bottom, right? And then what happens? What do they reach for? They reach for your leg. They reach for your hands because they want to do it again. And then when they develop that leg strength and they develop that balance a little bit more, what happens then is, is, is somebody stands three, four, five feet away. You stand over here. And what do you put out for them to know to come and walk to you? You put out your hands, right? Because, because those hands have become very, very important to that little baby, right? He sees those hands as his stability when everything else is wobbly. Like they can only learn to walk if those hands are there. Because if they're not there, walking is really scary 
And, 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 and instead of, 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 of wobbling and falling, they can just wobble and stay down. And here's, here's why this is important to us today. I think we all have times in life that feel wobbly, don't they? We all have times in life where we feel like the ground under us is new ground. It's different territory where we don't know how to walk, you know, not necessarily physically. We don't know how to walk spiritually. We don't know how to walk emotionally in those things. And, and we're learning to get our legs under us. And maybe for some of you, it means that you're in a new school this year. Right? And, and rooms are in unfamiliar places and your locker is in an unfamiliar place and, and these rooms are full of unfamiliar students and unfamiliar teachers, right? Maybe you're in a new grade, a new job, maybe a new place to live. And the ground feels a little bit wobbly. Maybe, for some of you, it is the rapid rate of change in the world around us, right? My mother used to do uh, care for the elderly, Oddly enough, when she was elderly, she was caring for the elderly. And one of the ladies that she worked for, I just called her Granny, because I, I still don't even know what her name was. We just called her Granny. And her birthday cake had a covered wagon, had a car, and then had the space shuttle on her birthday cake because she had seen all of those in her lifetime. Right? That's the world we live in now where there is this, this, this rate of change and, and, and maybe that leaves you feeling wobbly. Maybe, maybe it's a change in technology, right? Technology is growing up around you. Like, like if you're in, in any industry, you know, this, 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 this new introduction of AI is keeping a lot of people feeling very wobbly about what their role is going to be in society and in the, in the culture. Maybe you're experiencing a change of relationships. You see, all of us probably have areas in our life where we feel that wobbliness of a toddler. And like them, we have to make sure we're holding on to the right hands, right? Because if we hold on to the, to the, to the wrong hands, we'll end up making decisions that we regret later, right? Like what we hold on to in uncertain times shapes how we live, right? What we hold on to in uncertain times shapes how we live. Imagine, imagine what a toddler's life would be like if there was no one there to hold their hands when they were learning to walk. They'd be stuck. They'd be stuck in that, in that infant phase or, or they would try to learn to walk on their own and it wouldn't be the smooth, steady stride of having someone hold their hand and teach them how to do it. You see, what we hold on to when life gets wobbly, it defines the kind of life we have. It defines if you stay stuck or it defines if you grow. And what Paul is gonna do today in these first few verses, it, he's gonna give us a hint today of a way to, to, to stable our lives. He's gonna give us a hint of something that he's gonna explain later in the letter, but right now he's gonna give us a hint of the hands that we can hold on to, right? He's gonna, he's gonna, we're gonna take this hint and expand it into something to help us when life gets wobbly, but, but, but it's there. So let's look at verse three. 
Colossians 1 verse 3 says this. It says, we always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray, when we pray for you. Now, now here's what's interesting. What we get to see today is this normal part of every letter that was written in the time of Paul, right? In the, in the time of Paul, uh, letters followed a certain format, right? They, they, and those letters were passed around to, to cities and to people groups. That's how, that's how word got around. And, and that format always followed the same pattern. Much like our emails, right? Our emails have a certain format. You have to put the email address of who it's to. You have to have your email address on there. Uh, You have to have a subject line. At least it helps when you do to have a subject line, right? And then after that is kind of the meat of the email. And then typically, uh, depending on what kind of email user you are, you have a signature line at the bottom that that kind of lets people know who you are. And and all all of that format is there. Well, in Paul's time, letters had a a, a format that he followed, right? It started with a greeting. That's what we saw last week when Matt preached. And he talked about, he talked about the, the, the person, the place, the people, and the purpose of this letter in Colossians. And then after that greeting section, we have this section, which is a thanksgiving and prayer section. And in Greco-Roman times, this thanksgiving and prayer was dedicated to different gods, right? It was dedicated to the gods of maybe the city that it was going to, dedicated to the gods of the, of the, of the person writing it, who they, who they followed. And then, and then it was the meat of the letter and then a conclusion and a final greeting. Well, what Paul is doing is he's gonna take this regular format of every letter and he's gonna redeem it to point to Jesus, Right? And here's, here's why I want to highlight this, because Paul is showing us something new here. This series is called All Things New for a reason, because, because what Paul is doing here is, is, is he's showing us something new. Because up until just a few years before the time that Paul wrote this letter, if Paul was going to talk to the followers of God at his time, he would be talking to a primarily Jewish audience, because they were the ones who followed God. That's who Jesus came for. He came to show them he was the Messiah. But what he also came to do was to show them part of their call from the very beginning was to be a blessing to all the nations. And so, and so what happened when, 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 when the religious leaders rejected Jesus, right? It shifted to, it shifted to us, people who aren't Jewish, to be able to, to follow and worship Jesus and to have this relationship with God that has been intended from the very beginning. And so now when Paul's writing this letter, just years after Jesus' resurrection, he knows that he's writing to, to people in this city called Colossa, Colossae. I think is how you say it, I don't know, Colossae. Right? And that group of people will have some Jewish people there because there was a synagogue there but we'll also have a whole lot of people who aren't Jewish, right? And they're used to seeing this, these letters being passed around. And so Paul is writing to this Jewish and Gentile group of people, right? And so what Paul's doing is he's doing something that he hasn't really done before. He, didn't, he wasn't raised under this type of religious training is how do you communicate the truths of Jesus to people who have maybe never even heard of the God of Israel. And so what he's doing is he's taking this, this, this regular format of a letter and using it to point to Jesus. And so how did he handle this new dynamic? Did he wobble? Like he could have, he could have done something. He could have just said, hey, I'm thankful for the news that's reported of you. 
right? And he could have, he could have just kind of left it at that, like y'all are doing a great job and left it at that. He could have gone incognito and just left Jesus out of it, left any gods out of it, just kind of did a, a very generic blank introduction, right? Or Paul could have completely decided to create his own format of letter writing. He could have said, hey, this is the way the world does it, but in the church, we're going to do it this way, Right? We're going to come up with something completely new that's radical and different from every format out there. But that's not what Paul does, right? And as followers of Jesus, we are faced with this dilemma all the time. How do we represent our faith in a culture around us? How do we interact with the cultural norms around us? Especially when those cultural norms always seem to be changing, don't they? Do we create our own version, like completely disregarding the cultural norms? Sometimes we do. Sometimes we do. Do we just follow the, the, the cultural norms completely absent of our faith? I don't, I don't think so. Right? I think, I think what Paul has done is something brilliant here because what Paul does is he kind of judos this, this format, Right? And, and here's what I mean by that, right? From judo is this form of martial arts where you use the strength and, and energy and weight of your opponent against them, right? Like, like they take, a, a, they try to hit you and you use that hit to kind of circle it around and leave them open so that you can engage with them, right? You use that weight and energy that they provide and you use it to your own advantage. And this is what Paul is doing. He's taking what was given to him, this common format of letter writing, and he's taking that and he's kind of judoing it and said, hey, I'm going to use this. Instead of talking about the Greek and Roman gods, I'm going to use it and talk about the God we worship. And he says, he says you know, I, I thank God the Father and his son, Jesus. He thanks God the Father and uh, Jesus Christ right from the onset. And see, here on earth, we will always live in a place with a set of cultural norms that aren't lining up with the church. I mean, we always will until Jesus comes back. Like, that's the world that we live in. And the question is, where can we use these cultural norms to point to Jesus? When, when our church, uh, before this building was given to us, graciously given to us, we were meeting at the YMCA. And the director of the YMCA there considered us the C in the YMCA, right? We were the Christian aspect of what they were doing there. And so, but he, he told us, he said, but listen, here's what I want you to do. I want you to be present, but not intrusive, right? I want you to be here at the Y, and I want you to be present at the Y during the week, but don't like, don't, don't make a big deal out of, you know, don't, don't put Jesus up in people's faces. So that's what we did, and we were this ongoing presence at the Y, not just on Sunday mornings, but during the week. We had people that worked out there. We had people that taught classes there. And what we did is, is, is we engaged with that culture that was very different than the church culture through relationships, right? And we were present, but not intrusive. And we were present so that when people asked Hey, what, what, you know, what are you doing here? And oh, we're a church that meets here. Oh, what kind of church? We would tell them. And then maybe we'd be like, hey, is there anything you'd want us to be praying for for you? And we would. And then when we saw them again, we'd ask them. The, the Y even let us put up a prayer box there at the Y. 
That if somebody just coming through had prayer requests, they could drop those prayer requests in there and we would pray for them. And here's what that did. That allowed us to engage with these cultural norms in an in present but non-intrusive way. It allowed us to be able to, to be invited to stand up to their volunteer their volunteer dinner where their volunteers from all the YMCAs in Western North Carolina come together. And there was about three or 400 people there and they said, hey, will you open us up in prayer? And this was the staff, this was key volunteers, this was key people in the community and we got to do that and pray in the name of Jesus over these people because we were able to take those cultural norms and use them to point to Christ just like Paul is doing here. And just like I'm sure you can do in, in your world, I'm sure there's all kinds of ways that we can do what Paul is doing. But let's see, let's move on past verse three because we got a few more to get through. It says, since we heard of your faith in Christ, so this is why he's thankful. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints. Right, and so here's what happened. He heard a good report from this new church, right? Colossae was a, is a new church. And, and what he heard back from, from uh, the people that were there with him is he heard that, hey, like they are growing in faith and they are growing in their love for each other. And listen, as a, as a pastor, as a pastor who's worked with church plants, that is good news. 80% of new churches fail today. I can't imagine what the, the rate was there. And so when you hear a report of a new church that's loving Jesus well and loving their neighbors well, like, like as a pastor, your heart swells a little bit. And, that's, what, and that's, what's, that's what's happening with Paul. William Booth, right, who, who, who started the Salvation Army, this idea of their faith and, and love for others, kind of walking hand in hand, he said this. He said, faith and works, that's the loving others. So you've got faith, your love for God, and works, your love for others, should travel side by side, step answering to step, like legs of a man walking. First faith, then works, then faith again, then works again, until they can scarcely distinguish which is the one and which is the other. And that's what Paul heard about this church. That their faith was actually changing not only the community of those who followed Jesus, but changing the community around them. Right, That their faith in Jesus was changing and it was changing how they treated each other. And Paul wants them to know how this is possible. How can a person walk like this? Look at verse 5. It says, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. Right, And Paul says it is because of their hope that their faith and their love has grown. Now, here's where Paul's language and our language differs. Like when we hear hope, what do we think of? Do I wish? Yeah, wishful thinking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do what? You're saying I got a chance. If you want to quote a movie. Yes, yeah, yeah. Like that's our version of hope. Y'all, that was not Paul's version of hope. In, in, in his time, the word hope was a synonym of certainty. In our time, it's a synonym of uncertainty, right? But in his time, he was saying, no, like, like this isn't a wish, this isn't a dream. Hope was connected to, to certainty. 
And it was, it was this clear expectation based on reality. You see, hope is what he's telling them. Hope are the hands that you've held on to when everything around you was changing. Hope are the hands that you held on to when, 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 when everything needed to be new and everything was new. That hope was based on truth, not chance and not probability. And here's a way to think about hope. If you like acronyms, this one's for you. It says hope is holding on to promises eternal. Right? That's what hope is. Holding on to promises eternal. And this is what Paul said they were doing. They were holding on to something true. They were holding on to these eternal promises. Watch this in, in the rest of verse five. Verse five says, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, of this you have heard before in the word of truth, the gospel. Right? And, and so what he's saying is that their hope their hope, their certainty, their truth wasn't based on chance and, and probability. It was based on the gospel. And so what this means is that they saw the good news of Jesus as true and certain. And not only did they see the good news of Jesus as true and certain, they saw the good news of Jesus growing with them and changing with them in everything new that was happening around them. And, and the good news is what the gospel means. Gospel means good news. And, and, and what he, Paul is saying is that they were holding on to the truth of Jesus when everything gets wobbly. And this gospel, this good news... What I mean when I say that, when you read through the scriptures, what that is, it is that the death and resurrection of Jesus paid the way for you and I to have a good and right relationship with the God who loves us and the God who created us. And that that gospel isn't just for salvation. It isn't just so that you can check a box and say, yes, I am with God and I will be with him in heaven. That that same gospel is true every step and every day of your life. And that that gospel, as it grows, you realize, oh, that gospel, that gospel is true here. Right, that gospel is true over here in this area of my life. That gospel is true that I am loved by God, not because of what I, what I do and what I don't do, but because of what Jesus has done. That that gospel is true right here in this relationship. And I can honor God in this relationship. That, that same gospel is true over here when I'm on social media and I really hope that I would get a whole lot of likes and a whole lot of clicks and a whole lot of responses and I got crickets and I feel like crap right now. God loves me. See, I can say that because we're not on camera, but we are on audio. Maybe we should delete that part. <laughs> right? But that the gospel is true here, that God loves me when it seems like nobody else does and that's enough. And their love for God grew. And what that means too is that their love for others grew in that. In other words, they could look at someone who is believing in that moment that nobody loves them and they could sit down with them and go, hey, guess what? God does love you. He doesn't just love you, he likes you. And you know how I know? Because he sent his son to die for us. And he raised his son from the dead just to show us that everything he said and everything he did was true. And if God would go to those links for you, I promise you he's not, he's not leaving you alone right now. He is with you and he loves you. 
And that started changing the church in Colossae and it started changing them that, that what Jesus has done has paid the price for those sins. The sins that Adam and Eve committed, yes. The sins that we commit, yes. And, and what, those, what those have done is, is they have, they, Jesus has made those sins powerless, right? Are they still present? Yes. But do they separate us from God? No. And that's the good news. That with Jesus, there is no more separation. And listen, if you're here today and you haven't said yes to Jesus, then let today be the day you do that. Because I guarantee you, he does love you. I guarantee you that God does love you. And he will not forsake you because he did not forsake his son. And so if you haven't said yes to, to Jesus, then let today be the day you do that. All right? Now he's not only letting them know his joy in reports, reports of faith based on the truth of Jesus, but he's also hinting, because one of the problems this church struggles with is, is false doctrine, right? And, and he's going to hint as to a way to kind of avoid this false doctrine. Like when their theology starts getting wobbly, and he's going to tell them like the, this gospel is what you hold on to. In verse 6 it says this, it says, uh, this gospel which has come to you and is indeed in the whole world and is bearing fruit and increasing, it, uh, as it also does among you since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth, just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant, he is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf and has made known to us your love in the Spirit." Right, and so, so here's what's happening. He's telling them this gospel, this, this hope that you have, this certainty you have and that Jesus' death and resurrection, resurrection has, has given you a new relationship with God. This hope and this certainty isn't just working with y'all. It's working everywhere around the world. That it is effective in changing lives and changing communities everywhere. That the hope, and, and, and so when life gets wobbly, this hope not only stabilizes you, it's the same hope that stabilizes everyone. And hope is the certainty, the truth of the gospel for all people of all times. And as life around seems to get different every day, the truth of the matter is that gospel stays the same every day. Like if you're looking and if you're looking for a constant truth to hold on to when life gets wobbly, Paul is saying the gospel is the only constant you will ever have. And so why not hold on to it? Because that's the thing that's going to increase your faith in God. That's the thing that's going to increase your love for others. And the truth of the gospel is the hand that we hold on to when everything else gets wobbly. Right, Because when we do, our life goes from uncertainty to, to feelings being tossed back and forth with every trend and thought to being on, on solid ground of the truth of the gospel. It goes from changing who we are based on likes and clicks and what people say and what they don't say to forming our identity and our self-worth on how God sees us and loves us. And I tell you, doesn't that sound like a much better life than being tossed around back and forth? Well, Paul shows that's what this life can be. Look at verse nine. It says, and so from the day we heard, we have not ceased praying for you. Here's what I find interesting about this. A good report doesn't stop Paul from praying. A good, a good report actually increases Paul's prayers for this church, 
right? I'll just leave that there because I think that's interesting. Verse 9, it says, And so from this day we heard we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. And so he prays for their thinking, right? He wants them to understand the gospel and how the gospel is important. And they, he wants them to know and understand that gospel. But he doesn't just pray for their heads. He also prays for their hands. He doesn't just pray for their beliefs. He also prays praise for their actions. Look at verse 10. It says, as, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Right? Notice Paul prays for their faithfulness to God. Right? That their actions, the things that they do with their feet and their hands, that all that they do is pleasing to God. And that those actions bear good fruit, right? Which means you see the result of them, good results. And so what Paul prays for them is he prays for them to be faithful and fruitful. And y'all, I just gotta say like, we must be faithful to God to be fruitful for God, right? We can't flip those around. We can't expect good fruit when the roots aren't in the right place. We must be faithful to God to be fruitful for God. And when life gets easy, when life gets wobbly, it's really easy to grab a hold of other things, isn't it? It's really, it's really easy to grab a hold of, of that quick fix, right? It's really easy to grab a hold of things that aren't God because maybe they help you feel better for a minute but that eventually wears off. You see, faithfulness is found in holding on to the gospel and the gospel alone. Because when we do, we must remember that results may not happen overnight. All right? That good works take time. They take obedience. They take yielding to the Holy Spirit. But those works are exactly what Paul prays for them. Look at verse 11. It says, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with God, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the, saint, of the saints in light. And so here's, here's what he does. He, he prays for their, their fruitfulness based on their faithfulness to produce strength, power, endurance, patience, joy, thanksgiving, unity to produce all of these really, really good fruits, right? Like Paul's defining what these good fruits are, strength, power, endurance, patience, joy, thanksgiving, and all of that unity to share in the inheritance of the saints and light. Like what Paul's doing is he's talking to this mixed group of people and he's using this tribal language of the nation of Israel that they were 12 tribes of Israel and they were given inheritance in the land. And, and he's saying, hey, y'all get to enjoy that same inheritance. You're part of the tribe of God now. And with that comes the strength and power and patience and endurance and thanksgiving that can only be found in a relationship with that God. And so church, let me ask you, when, when life gets wobbly, do you find yourself needing more of those? Right, do you find yourself needing strength? How many times do you say, oh, I'm just tired today, All right? I am worn out. You need strength, you need strength. Right? Power is this, is this word of dynamic from the Holy Spirit. Anybody need new ideas 
fresh ideas from God. Endurance. Endurance, one of the synonyms biblically for endurance is long-suffering. Anybody want to just get rid of suffering? Yeah. Yeah. Patience. Y'all. You ever had a digital snake go out on you? (laughs) Patience. You ever have a kid, not your kids obviously, somebody else's kid, just try every bit of patience that you have and it's only like eight o'clock in the morning, right? Joy. Is it, is it more easy for you to feel miserable than to feel joyful? Thanksgiving. Do you, do, you, do you look at the end of your day and kind of declare what you're thankful for or do you declare everything that went wrong? Unity. Can you only associate with people like you? Are you okay connecting and knowing people very different from you? You see, church, do we find ourselves needing more of these? Are we learning to walk holding the hands of Jesus? Or are we too busy letting other hands show us how to live? You see, there's only one hand who can change us and who can grow us in the love of others, and that is Jesus. Let's look at verse 13. Verse 13 says this. It says, He has delivered us from the dominion of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved Son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. You see, church, that same hand of Jesus is the only hand that can forgive your sins. The only one that can move you from one kingdom to another, a kingdom of darkness to a kingdom of light. And he is the only hand that is worthy of your grip when life gets wobbly. And as a church, here's how I want us to close our time together in preaching. We're gonna have a few more songs. I want us to close this time in a prayer, holding on to the hands of Jesus, holding on to the hands of the gospel. And so what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna lead us in a short prayer. And and, and what I want you to do is, is just to think about an area of your life that feels wobbly right now. An area of your life where you don't feel certain what the next step is. An area of life that probably is more defined by uncertainty than certainty. Right? An area where you keep trying everything, maybe except trusting Jesus. An area in your life where you feel really uncomfortable letting go of your effort and holding on to Jesus. And what we're gonna do is is we're just gonna close our eyes, bow our heads, and just leave our hands out and kind of rededicate our faith to trusting Jesus and letting him change us to interact with those around us. So if you'll bow your head with me. Let me pray. Jesus, we're gonna take a little bit of time of silence. And I ask um, Jesus for you to, to speak through your Holy Spirit to us each individually about the areas of our life where we need hope. We don't need a wish. We don't need a dream. We need the certainty of the gospel. An area of our life where we keep struggling and keep returning to you. An area of life where, where, where we feel like you are being silent.
And Father, would you speak about that area to us? And Jesus, for us, I confess our, our own will and desire to, um, to just do it our own way. I confess our own will, I confess my own will and desire that, that sometimes looks up at the end of the day and realizes I haven't made you a part of my day yet. And I've just been going through the motions. And I confess, Lord, that as a church, it is very easy for us to do that as well. And so right now, we, we hold our hands out. Lord, we, we hold our hands out to say, we are gonna hold your hand. And we are gonna let you guide us through these uncertain times that we walk in, this uncertain ground that we walk in, but we know that your hands are certain and your hands are sure. And that those hands will lead us and guide us. In Christ's name I pray, amen.